0: Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. I am recording this on a very warm, sunshiny October day, but recorded this interview with writer Sarah McCall. Many moons ago I think it was like two months ago And it was funny, I recorded it right before going on vacation And just getting to like hang out And ask Sarah my questions Like felt so rejuvenating and exciting And I just find her really interesting And this episode was essentially I think an excuse for me to just hang out with Sarah Because I love her work so much So she is the writer of Lost Art, which is a substack that is dedicated and focused on the lost art of women. I'm pretty sure everybody is no longer on this earthly realm that she writes about. And my friend and writing teacher, Kate Devine, had sent me her work and was like, I think you'd like this. And I was like, oh, my God, I not only like it, I'm obsessed. And I felt like Sarah and I are often asking a lot of the same questions and especially in terms of how being a woman relates to being an artist or a creative or someone if you don't maybe necessarily want, if, want to fit into the heteronormative tropes and things like that. So... I then also read her memoir, which was also fascinating. And I felt like really getting, um, I, I I saw a lot of similarities between our two mothers and the way we were sort of raised and encouraged to be our own people. And I think as a woman, if you're encouraged to like, okay, let me walk it back. I think as a woman, it's really hard to be yourself because we're we're given this messaging to be ourselves, you know, to be confident, to like not have insecurities. And then if like if you're really confident and you take up space and you own the fullness of who you are, it seems like people want to tear you down. And then if you sort of go that seems scary, I don't want to own the fullness of who I am. I want to stay safe. Then people are like, "Oh, you're a loser." Like there's no winning. And I appreciate anyone whose work seems to be examining that or trying to figure out of like, how are we just as people supposed to be? And I think a lot of Sarah's work is in service of that, of like, how are we supposed to go on? And and so I love that when you go to her website, a quote she has on there, it is a joy to be hidden, wrote Donald Winnicott, and a disaster not to be found. And I just think... How true that is. And then, you know, in one of her lost art entries, she was saying, how do we go on in the face of loss? How do we go on making art when it's so hard? No one cares. Life's conditions are so inhospitable. We endure the unendurable. More routinely we endure a daily grind designed to stub out spirit and spark. I am weary writing these sentences right now. I would much prefer to lie down and think of nothing and leave everything to drift. How do we continue to blow on the tender flame of our creativity? How do we keep ourselves going to pieces? I love this so much because I do think that it is a question A lot of us are asking of this kind of both and how do we go on how do we sustain ourselves how do we remain present and see what's happening in the world and tend to our flames how do most mothers tend and give care after care and do invisible work after invisible work and still show up for their art ourselves or their personhood you know these are questions I don't know that anyone has the answer to but I super appreciate anyone asking them and I hope you enjoy this episode with Sarah McCall I'm very excited today because I feel like I have started just having guests on that I fangirl about either their Instagram or their Substack. And today is yet another person who... I originally came to their Substack, Lost Art via Kate Devine, who's been a guest on here. And these two happen to know each other, which feels fun. And I totally use that as a way to convince her to come on the pod today. But writer, would you call yourself a memoirist? I don't know. I will let her more properly (laughs) introduce herself. But Sarah McCall is my guest today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for asking me. I love any sort
1: of like, Friend setup up that comes through a mutually beloved person, you know, and Kate is wonderful. Do I call myself a memoirist? No. I usually just say I'm a writer and I write essays and I wrote a book and I like to help other people write their books. And yes, I have a sub stack. The book is called Joy Enough and the sub stack is called Lost.
0: I read Joy Enough in one day. I was like, oh, since Sarah's coming on the pod, I I should read her book, you know, because I forgot you had a book. Like I would, I've been so enamored with Lost Art that I like, you know, forgot you have like a whole life outside of it, you know, and listen, I've already told Sarah, like in, I don't know, two or three emails that Lost Art should be a podcast. And I think everyone who enjoys this episode today should email her that as well. (laughs) Maybe there's strength in numbers if we all bully her. I wonder in a way, did you feel like you had to write your memoir to like then be able to write other things? I feel like essays are often, you know, they're often personal. I think, you know, you're looking so often at women's work. And then when I read your memoir, I was like, oh, like this is your origin story. You know, Mm. like your mom sounds... So incredible and so informative to like who you are as a person of witnessing this person that has this incredible spirit and like vitality and almost like personhood balance. You know, I think you're one of like four kids, you know, that she was a mother and a wife and went through a divorce and like all these things. And I'm like, here's where it begins. Like, here's where it begins. If you looking at women and kind of going like, how are you doing all that?
1: That's so interesting. I mean, I think a writer once told me that writers only have one story, and it's being told in different ways. And Mm. I think that's absolutely true for me. When I look back at Joy Enough, I do think it's such a great, I never thought of it exactly like that, that I'm watching my mother looking for evidence of kind of how she's doing what she's doing like raising four kids in a not great marriage, in a culture that doesn't feel like her own. I think it's also about motherhood. It's so much about wanting to be a mother, but not knowing how or if it can happen for me, partly because of art now. Where does creative life fit within a motherhood life? And I think that's one thing that I have thought about my mom in terms of like, oh, she didn't provide evidence in how to have a job and like <laughs> also raise kids, you know, because for most of her life, she stayed home. And then, you know, when she got divorced, she went to graduate school and became a social worker and then worked. But like when she remarried, she somehow managed to stop working. I don't know. She was always like not, not that motivated by it. Like, she money. wasn't
0: a girl yeah. boss, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and,
1: and so I think I have been like, oh, it would have been helpful to have evidence of how to have another obsession outside maternal life. My mother was obsessed with maternal life and and that I think she often said, you know, art is in the day-to-day. My art is in the day-to-day. But as much as I think that's true, I think there's also art that I want to make. And so that's what lost art is, I think, is looking at artists and musicians and writers and kind of seeing okay, how how did you make a life And how did you keep making art despite all the obstacles of disinterest and poverty and all of that?
0: Yeah. I mean, life in general is just like one long, gauntlet of obstacles. And I think yeah. if you are creative and trying to get something out of yourself, it's you're just like, oh, come on about yeah. so many different things. or are like, how does this all come together? I read Olivia Ling's Funny Weather, you know, Art in an Emergency. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And your work reminds me of hers a lot in terms of this looking at people and being like something I think about a lot is like how difficult it is as a woman to really be yourself in the sense Mm. of pursuing your passions or pursuing your things, balancing motherhood, if you're interested in that, you know, like all these different things. And not to say that men don't have roles, our non-binary friends don't have roles or things imposed upon them, but I can only really speak to the experience of, of womanhood. And I just, when I read that, I really went started looking at all these different artists of like, how did they do it? You know? And I think of like Georgia O'Keeffe all the time. And something I thought about a lot is that Georgia O'Keeffe has all these letters she wrote to other artists. You know, Mm -hmm. she and Frida Kahlo had a real correspondence. Numerous artists were like, I couldn't believe it. I reached out to Georgia and she responded, you know. Mm -hmm. And you write, I think uh, it was in the Kate Wolf, you say, a long series of events involving friends of friends and broken down cards. Kate met folks in Bixar who played music in their living rooms. They all became friends and Kate became playing with them, they encouraged her, go out there and do it. they said. And I never had anybody say anything like that to me, she said, but she, but she didn't know how to write music, just seeing your conversations, they said. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about encouragement? Because I th- think that often it's like, yeah, we're seeking evidence, but also... It was Mm -hmm. interesting. I attended a workshop with um, Melissa Phoebos and she was saying a mistake she had often made in her career was soliciting feedback when really what she needed was encouragement that she's like, I needed someone to just tell me to keep going. And I feel like that that's a thread in lost art as well, that it's these moments of like, what is the sign to keep going? Like where do you find the encouragement? Because, I don't feel like with men they have as much of a struggle in believing that their work is valid and it should be out there you know like if anything I hear more stories of men being like I've been at this 50 years and you know and they haven't questioned if they should move on where are my millions yeah (laughs) yeah, and they haven't thought of like should I pivot does the world want this for me you know whereas women will do something like once or maybe not even and they'll be like I just don't know you know and I was just like Like, what role does like encouragement play into things for you? Do you think women need to be more encouraged? Do you think every artist could use more encouragement? Like, Well, it's it's such a great
1: question because I always say at the beginning of workshops, I invite the writer to kind of frame the conversation in terms of what they need. But I was just teaching at this workshop where I said kind of at the outset, I was like, well, maybe let's all... I kind of think that what's behind all feedback and all desire to share work (laughs) is, am I good enough? Should I keep going? And (laughs) I think like, if we can admit that, it's like, you just need kind of people to point out, well, here's where it felt really alive. and, And here's this part that really drew me in. I do think that you can kind of crowd out maybe what you're not doing as strongly by knowing what you are super great at. But I think the encouragement also functions within community. And I think this Mm -hmm. is one of the main things that, I mean, I always feel like the best things writing has given me are writing, (laughs) (laughs) writing itself and other writers, the community of other writers and the friendship of other writers, because I think we could extend it and say, You know, we want feedback in workshop. Well, we want feedback in publishing, maybe. People think they want to be published because they want to be received. They want the receptivity and to communicate. That's why we're putting it out there. But there are so many other ways to do that that aren't just traditional publishing. You know, you can have your group of friends who get together and read each other's work and vibe on each other. And that's actually what I think we're after is people seeing us through our work and having those moments of communion
0: I 100% agree because it's like, I think sometimes it can be misconstrued like you're slutty for praise. And that's actually what Kate, divines like her class, you know, now we have a group of us. We've been in numerous workshops with Kate before and mm-hmm. we've got like a little crew. And really it's the feeling scene. It's the communing. It's it's you going, you know, like I was trying to do this with this. Like, did that, <laughs> did, did that happen for you? Right, you know? right. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Like feels powerful, you know, it's like, If everyone, you know, when it's my week to workshop, like if everyone's just like, "Oh my god, I I loved it. It was amazing." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool, but what else?" Like, did you? And I think that it can be really tricky because you're right. Like, it's not just a looking to be seen or to be, you know, complimented or whatever. It's trying to commune. You know, it is. I think trying to feel connected to something. I think it was in your essay maybe the one of the 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 more recent ones too that you were talking about how like for women more often they get trapped into like that the I being mm. so personal about them and they're like, no, really, it was like, it was a stand-in. Like I'm talking about my experience, but like in terms of like Mary Oliver and, and people yeah. like that. And I had never thought about it that way but i was oh like my God. it's so true cuz i was like yeah. how does that so i'm always afraid of being a narcissist and maybe my first clue that i should just embrace is that i have a podcast like i should just like get over it and embrace it and know that i work with my narcissism in a healthy way but i was really impacted again by melissa Phoebos's essay about it that i think yeah, has been embodied just
1: say, impressive. yeah navel gazing is once what it was called. I don't know what it's called now, but
0: yeah, you know. that it, it, that it's like, it feels like with women so often, it's either like, oh, you're, you're telling your, your lady story, you know, mm-hmm. or this is self indulgent, you know, mm-hmm. that how do you, I think that is something that limits a lot of women creatives as well is like not, is wanting to get out of that sort of like fun house of mirrors of either feeling like that it's like just about them or they're being too into themselves. How do you grapple with that? Where have you netted out with this? I feel like you've examined so many women. Like, How do you feel about about like the I or the the narcissism or have you freed yourself?
1: First sign that you're not, a narcissist is wondering if you're a narcissist. So <laughs> I think you're good. Um, no, I love the essay by Megan Dom called the Joni Mitchell problem. Mm. And in it, she sort of talks about how the Joni Mitchell problem is that everyone thinks Joni is, you know, singing her diary or like that. It's yeah. all about her personal heartbreak. And, in the essay, she basically says, these aren't songs about heartbreak, they're prayers for a fallen world. You know, I'm more like St. Augustine than anything. And I remember having a lot of frustration when my own book was coming out and just starting to look at marketing language for the first time, because I'd never really paid Mm -hmm. attention to that. And I remember I was reading, (laughs) of course, uh, some description of, it was like the jacket copy for some Guard book, you know, and it was like <laughs> Pruspian in its universal themes. And I was just like, you know, nobody ever says this about women's work. No one ever says this about women's lives. Like, I think about the Rachel Cusk book, A Life's Work, which she was just like excoriated for it because <laughs> it, in which she basically says motherhood is hard. Like, there there's some more details to it, but basically, yeah. I don't always love being a mother. It's hard. And people just, you know, raked her over the coals, but no one would say like, wow, this is the I here is like a stand in for what is absolutely the unsaid. When what people so many people feel is forbidden to say, which is sometimes I hate my kid or sometimes I want to run away and abandon my family. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that these are that is the universal. So yeah, I think I just think it's patriarchy in the way we think about men's stories and the way we've been encultured with men's stories as the stories of individuation. When there are so many ways to individuate that aren't Proustian so-called, you know. Or okay, so I was just at the Mendocino Coast Writers Conference and Ariel Gore was the keynote speaker, mm. and she gave this presentation on her spin on traditional plot structure. And she talks about how she showed up her first day of creative writing class at Mills. And the teacher drew this giant penis on the board. And (laughs) she was kind of like looking around and she's like, there's a penis on the board. Like, why isn't anyone else reacting that there's a penis on the board? And then she went, oh, this is Freytag's triangle. This is like the plot structure. And so she has recreated, she's like, I want there to be a vagina in the middle of my, (laughs) not a penis in the middle of my book. And so she has this circular plot structure that kind of reimagines the beats of a story that don't follow the path of male orgasm, basically. And I just think it's all of a piece, you know, it's people kind of reexamining the ways we thought about story, and we thought about the I, and we thought about the way stories move. And the I isn't just a hero, and the I isn't just like a travel up a mountain and down the other side either. So that was a really long answer, but mostly <laughs> I just talk about Megan Megan Dom and that essay because I, I just love that essay. So after I wrote the thing about Mary Oliver saying, you know, I always wanted to use the I in my poems, and it's not me, it's it's an eye for everyone to see themselves in the poem. And her editor was like, I don't know, you know. And a, a friend wrote to me and she was like, I wish I could find this review that I once saw in the New York Times that basically said Sharon Old and Mary Oliver weren't real poets because of their personal narrative in their poetry. And she was like, but. I don't even want to spend the time to look for it. And it's like, yeah, don't even look for it. Like, let's just yeah, let it go. It's in the rear view.
0: Yeah. I feel similar to what you were saying before. You know, like you can you can crowd out, you know? And yeah. I feel like that's something, as someone who I feel like within my friend group, I tend to be someone putting things out there. And my friends are like, a little, <laughs> a little bit more like, you know? And I... Think that you can always ask yourself that, like you can always be like, is this too personal, or is it this, or is it that? You know, like th- those arguments are the, or those critics or those people are always going to be out there. You know, they're always going to think like, we have two women's stories. That's enough. <laughs> you know, like those people exist. But I, I feel like it's like you can either use that as evidence to like quit, you know, and and not put yourself out there, your story or your art, whatever you want to put out there. Or you can just resign yourself to like, that would become your life. If you were in service, like if you wanted to disprove that or change people's minds who who feel that way, like that would be your work then, you know? And I just am yeah. like, no, I'm not interested in that. But it's, it, but it's difficult.
1: I mean, this question of overexposing oneself, like, oh, it feels too personal. You know, sometimes people ask like, do you feel overexposed? And it comes up in that Kate Wolf essay, you know, people saying, um, you know, does she feel like she's just opened up her guts for for the singers and she's laid bare, or for listeners and that she's laid bare? And she says, you know, it's nothing personal. These are about feelings that are universal. And I think that's one thing is that I realized in publishing a book that was about my life that I have a degree of comfort with emotional experience that I think not everyone has. And I didn't realize that that was unusual in any way. Um, <laughs> but I I do sort of feel like it, books are about emotional experience. And while told through individuals, they're not, they are universal. It's a universal emotional experience to experience grief or loss and compounded loss. But the other thing is that I think There's all like the nuts and bolts of making work, which I'm very fascinated by. How do you, you know, write the best sentence and structure a piece that people don't want to put down and all that kind of thing. But there's also this magic to art making that remains a mystery always, which I think is why we love to make things. And for me, in translating personal experience into an aesthetic experience on the page, it's like it's not me anymore. You know, I mean, it is me. Yeah. That all happened to me. But it exists now in an artistic form that is not my diary. You know, it's, it's been transmuted in some way.
0: Yeah. And so I
1: don't, I don't feel overexposed. And I don't feel that women should feel that it's overexposing either.
0: I get it in the one sense of like I think often when they disclose things it's weaponized and I, I under I understand yeah. that and I'm I'm not insensitive to that but yeah. I'm like there's a difference between telling a fuckboy boy something and being ghosted and Mm -hmm. deciding to make art about something you've processed like there's a huge difference of how that feels in your body what that process is like because I agree once it once you've sort of gotten it outside of your head whether that's you know like visually you've started painting or something or you've started Mm -hmm. writing like it is taken on its own life form it has become its own thing that isn't just about you and your experience and memory and things like that and Mm -hmm. I try to like even remind myself when I'm a Afraid of, like, oh, what are people going to think? Or someone might say something, or like, will that get me canceled or whatever? And I'm just like, you have to let it be whatever it is. Like, you're also in control if you want to make that detail anonymous or you want to, like, you have agency to do that. You know, that's why, like, in so many ways, I want every woman I know to have some sort of art making process because mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. remember your agency. Remember, right. you are in control. You can make that yellow or you can, you know, make them go to Guam. Like, you get to yeah. do all these things, you know, and then see how that plays out in your life, you know? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, let's draw a parallel here, baby, you know, (laughs) but um, I think that's such a beautiful point
1: because (laughs) it is in some ways about control and crafting the narrative of your life, even if it's in paint, because it's all about this personal filtration system and, you know, how life comes in and then it comes out as something else. Yeah, endlessly fascinating. Well,
0: and so many women I know have to make so many decisions and do, I I, want to talk about the maintenance work because like, oh my fucking God, you know, there's so much work that I think that women are doing, or there's so much work that I think that goes on and that is unseen, you know, and underappreciated. And I think sometimes we can like lose or like forget that part of ourselves that like I get decision fatigue just as much as the next person, you know, mm-hmm. I get like, I don't, I like, I don't care, you know, like, right. you know, what's for dinner. I don't care. I just don't want to be hungry. Uh, you know, like yeah. whatever, you know, but I think we forget that there's also such beauty to it and magic of like color and sensory detail and deciding and going, you know, it's like when you're on vacation and wandering around one day and you're like, which way should we go? I don't know. Let's go to the left. Like, let's see what, in remembering, like nothing bad's going to happen. Like you can sort of be free and be without a Google map and, you know, things like Like, that. As improvisation. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You know, that I think in like, help us tap into other stuff we really need to make it through this life like joy and you know play and all these things that is so easy to lose touch with like in just the day to day grind of life I'm trying to look for my notes about uh, I loved this maintenance at its best disappears maintenance is visible only when it fails no gas no milk no clean underwear a rupture in the flow maintenance doesn't earn praise or appreciation it tends only to invite criticism i was like so yeah, sure. good uh, and and i think like this is uh, my mom's an artist as well mm-hmm. and she took a big long break and like went back to it you know later in life and Now it's like what she does full time. And we talk about this a lot because friends will say to her, like, I want to come over and paint with you. And she's like, it's not fun. Like it's my work, you know? And she gets paint with me pottery. Yeah, she gets so irritated. It's like really fun. She just gets so offended. And and I I get it, but like as someone who's always chosen things that people are like, oh, I fancy myself that. And I'm like, you have no idea. You know, like I, I'm like, oh, I have such a developed callus around that. I get it, mom. And she's like, it's work. I'm on mm-hmm. my feet and all these things. And I think art making has a lot of maintenance in it. Isn't. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of artists really grapple with like, can you be a mother and an artist? This is something that comes up time and time again. And I hadn't thought about it until I was reading this piece. And and I wasn't familiar with, um, Meryl Lieberman. I don't, you, you, I and it's funny. I watched a video to see how you say your name yeah. as well. Cause I was like, that last name is wild. It could be, yeah, it, it I, well, it almost wants to be like ukulele. And I was like, totally. I don't think it is, but, um, <laughs> that I was like, it's interesting that this question of like, can you be a mother and an artist like comes up over and over again and we've seen it for like literally thousands of years you know like this Mm -hmm. has been a question forever and Mm -hmm. I mean and women are still struggling to get the same sort of representation in terms of art making as men are afforded but there's so much maintenance involved in both. Like how Mm. are we not just like powerhouses? I feel like in some ways, or is that like what the challenge is that both just come with so much of it and exactly you don't notice unless it, it fails. But I just, you lit my brain up so much with the maintenance thing. I would just was like, you really articulated something that like, I think that I have like thought about or felt into and Yet, just hadn't been able to express and I was just like it's another thing that again I think women are dealt with like when I worked in the office why was it always women being asked to arrange people's birthdays we were all adults why did I have to be office mommy I don't understand you know but again maintenance it's like we maintain the birthdays we maintain the calendar you know like all of that sort of stuff yeah so
1: that artist I don't know why I'm blanking on her first name you (laughs)
0: Meryl, isn't it? or
1: Meryl Lederman Eucaly. Yeah, I think she wrote that great manifesto that's like, okay, I used to be an artist. Now I'm a mom and no one seems to think I'm an artist anymore. So here's what I'm doing. I'm declaring all my maintenance work art. And dusting is a dust painting. And (laughs) mopping is like a Jackson Pollock-style action painting, but with water (laughs) on the cobblestones. Like, I love it on the one hand. And on this other hand, I'm like, is that what we just have to tell ourselves to make the injustice of it go down easy, you know, easier? So that's like the complicated feeling that I have around that. Like, I love the kind of the hope project and the encouragement, as you were saying earlier, of saying to myself, Every choice I make in this maintenance is a kind of art, you know, the flowers you pick for the co-worker's birthday and the colors you bring into their lives. Like there is a creativity to that. It's ephemeral. It disappears. And that's what's so painful about it is that it's so often invisible, all this care work that people do. But there was something else I was going to say. I'm kind of losing my train of thought about maintenance and, oh, I know, because you were, you were asking can I be an artist? Can I be a mother? This perennial question. And I think in some ways it goes back to what we're saying earlier about rewriting the script. Like, isn't our, you know, feminist re-envisioning of the world moving away from binaries? Like, so these are the options that I have to choose? Like, no, what if it's a collage of things and it's many things at once? And Sometimes I'm playing with blocks and sometimes I'm writing and the two energetically feed each other. I mean, I do think that sort of the philosophical ideal is yes, both and um, here's how it can work is, you know, seeing the art in the everyday and also bringing the domestic and the mundane. These are all kind of in quotes into our work, into our creative work. And at the same time, acknowledging that all of that is happening within this huge societal injustice and, you know, structures that don't work, that just rely on underpaid or just unpaid labor by women and often women of color. And it just doesn't work, you know, like, yeah, it doesn't work. But given that we're in this situation, I know that I need to keep making my work. Even within this state of injustice, so that I'll keep wanting to live. You know what I mean? It's like you have to do the thing within the circumstances that you have. And there's even a kind of art in that, I think. You know, how am I going to use what's available to make something more than it's the sum of
0: its parts? Yeah. Have you been creative your whole life?
1: I always wrote in a diary and I always wanted to be a writer I wrote stories about girls and horses and <laughs> um, yeah I think I think I have but when you said when you said that your mom was an artist I had this shock of like oh I wonder what that was like I wonder I, what it was like
0: my initials are ART it's yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like it goes thick. It goes, it's like, it. I think it's a bit of a blessing and a curse to be honest, because I think growing up with someone who, I mean, similar thing that where my mom was an artist and an art historian and an antiques dealer, like always kind of a creative, always sort of someone who appreciated beauty and what that can bring to things. And I would also say like as a mother, she's someone who is, Spectacularly gifted at making things special, mm-hmm. and a thing for her. My father died when I was younger, so we've auditioned some new daddies in my yeah. day. And a constant complaint for her with boyfriends and stuff is that they don't know how to make anything special. That, like, yeah. on her birthday, they don't know how to go get the fucking cake, put some goddamn candles in it, and we sing. Like, we we all know what happens here. Like, she's like, "Do I really have to do that for myself?" You know, like, come on, I. Think she found some ways to balance things. And I think that I'm similar to my mom in the sense of we like to be different people. Like I grew up in Europe mostly. And like when we moved to London and she was a docent at the Royal Academy, like I think she liked really being in her art historian era there. I don't think she longed to be making art or anything at that point. But then years later, she moved back to Atlanta and she started doing dog portraits and that was kind of her foray back into making, into art making where she had like moved back to where she was from, but she definitely did not feel like she fit back into it anymore. Didn't really know what was like, she's sort of like, well, one kid went to college, the other's going to boarding school. My husband has died. Like now what? You know, art was like her pathway back to herself. And it was interesting, like... Part of why she had sort of shelved it was she really didn't like that my grandmother sort of made it a party trick of being like, uh-huh. so-and-so's here, like, draw them a rose. And my mom would be like, I can't, like, draw from my head. I need to see something, <laughs> you know? Like, and I, I can just imagine my five-year-old mom, like, being like that and those sort of things. But, you know, when I said as a teenager, I want to go to art school, a lot of other people, you know, this was the 90s, met resistance, you know, with their families and parents. My mom was like, okay, you know, like, but you're going to go to the best one. And I was like, okay. You know, and like, (laughs) she helped me on my home exam for Parsons because I was like melting down and she was like, okay. And so I was like, I'll do an homage to Matisse. And she was like helping me tear up paper and stuff like that. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is I grew up in a household where like, Creativity was always valued. Art was always valued. Beauty was always valued. Aesthetics, those sort of things. But she and I have different skill sets. So there isn't like competition. There isn't weird. I think in a lot of ways it was like healing for her that I got to go to art school. She didn't get to go because it was above the Mason Dixon line. Like that's how Southern my Mm -hmm. grandparents were. And so Mm -hmm. I think it felt good to her as a mother. I never felt resentment. Like I felt like it felt good and healing for her to give me opportunities she didn't get and for her to get to kind of live vicariously through me, you know, moving to New York and going to an art school and stuff like that. Like, I think that's a way we've really been connected to one another and things like that. And like, especially now as an adult, we can really connect on that when I can be like, I'm kind of like wrestling out with this or whatever, but like something we talk about a lot is like the work and the maintenance and like all of this sort of stuff and balancing things. And she being at a different place in her life and, you know, her being like, I thought I would have grandkids, but instead I have art, you know? And she's like, I should have known. It was always going to be art in the end, you know? And it's it's funny because I'm leaving tomorrow for Sicily with my mom and brother and like, they're all aflutter about going to see the Caravaggio's and like, it, 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 like in yeah. some ways it's, it, I, I feel so blessed and lucky. And like, you know, when I said to my mom, I was like, oh, I'm, oh, I went to Puglia last year for a month and I flew through London and I was like, I'm going because I want to see the the Hilmas at the Tate. She was like, oh, I get it. You know, like <laughs> I feel like this thing that like so many other people I know, like they were the outcast or they were different yeah. in their family because they were the creative. It's like, no, my dad was a forensic accountant. Like he was the outlier you know? Right. But there still was a patriarchal structure. Like my dad was like, you can go do your things. My mom also helped put on the first exhibition of Guatemalan textiles in the U.S. and mm-hmm. you know, had to spend a lot of time in Guatemala all this stuff. But like my dad was like, you can do all that as long as like my shirts are ironed and like dinner's on the table. And right. from such a young age was like, I don't want that, you know? Mm-hmm. And like my mom was so encouraging of like self-expression and it's funny. She reminded me of something recently of she was talking about like when she used to help me with my homework and she's like, I used to always say to you like, well, Anna, what are you trying to say? And I just burst out laughing and I was like, and here, 800 years later, I'm still trying to figure (laughs) that out. And she's like, maybe that's, yeah. She's like, maybe that's your artist statement. It was like very funny that, you know, we were just laughing about that. But Because reading your memoir, your mom reminded me of my own, of just these women, and sometimes I think like, does everyone feel this way about their mom? And and I don't think everyone does of these women though, who seem to have like a magic to them. And mm-hmm. my mom definitely has a magic. I felt your mom has a magic. And I think I've been trying like my whole life to tap into what my magic is that like, yeah. I can see so easily when I observe certain people and yet I'm like, what is it about when it's us that it just like, is like, poof, it just dissipates. And we're like, I don't know. Is this cool or not? And people are like, how is that a question, you know? Right. right. And maybe
1: my magic is like looking to find the magic in other women. Like, I just take so much pleasure in the research project of this, like, oh, tell me more.
0: Like, <laughs> tell me about that process. How do you find the artists that you you or women that you feature? I would love to know that because, like, I also love doing research, and so I'm. I said this to to Sarah. I was like, I basically wanted to do a pod that is lost art, but you did it better because I re after reading Olivia's book, I was like, ooh, I want to do a pod about like women who like walk to the beat of their own drum. It was like sort mm-hmm. of my thesis at the time. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's about like creatives. And then I shelved it because I had to deal with a bunch of other stuff. And then No Joke started reading Lost Art and was like, oh, here it is. You know, like <laughs> you, you've done it. Like or I was or I was like, or I, th- I think you're, you're after the same thing. I was of like looking for evidence. How did these people do it? What can I learn from them or their process or things like that? But I'm so curious, how long does it take for you to write one of them? And will you please, please, please make it a podcast? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I do think that probably the musicians make the best podcast. I don't know. Like, would painters make
0: as good of a podcast? I think your writing, man, amazing. like. I mean, because it, it, oh, it, it, if you even literally just read yours, I think it would, you know, like we could vibe out on the word. You paint us a word picture, but because um, uh, <laughs> it thank is you. so rich, I feel like I'm I'm like listening or watching something like it's such a like immersive thing like that. I had read all of them, but like prepping for today, I like went back and I was like mm-hmm. reading them and I, my dog was desperate for a walk. And I was like, well, just one more, buddy. Because I was like, I don't want to leave this world yet. Like, oh, it's wow. just so Thank rich. You. And like, I I love to, to be in it and learn about these people, you know, that I, I maybe wouldn't necessarily, you know, like, yeah. and I mean, I have a pretty good art knowledge, like between my nerdy ass family and myself. And like, you've turned me on to be, I'm like, I've never heard of this person. That's which. So cool. Cool. I I
1: sometimes don't know, you know, like because I've definitely done people who are more well known, like um, Joan Brown or something. But she yeah. again, maybe more well known in the San Francisco Bay Area. But I always kind of wonder, like, is this obvious? Like, do people do people really need to know about? Doesn't everyone already know the story of insert you know famous yeah. woman artist here? But yeah, the the process of choosing is usually some mix of synchronicity and trying to have some balance and variety in terms of backgrounds, time period, art form. Um, so I just kind of try to shuffle the deck a lot. But you know, I think you were saying something so important about magic. And <laughs> I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine, who's a writer, and we were talking about writing. And we were talking about well she basically asked me like well what's the difference between art and motherhood like if someone is choosing oh can i be a can i be a writer and a mother or can i be an artist and a mother like what do you forsake in one versus the other and i think that there's sort of this feeling in the art world which again i would call kind of like a masculine hero's journey of success where there's going to be some kind of payoff, and there's mm. going to be like a ride in the sun, the chariot ride. Since you're a tarot person, like just all yes. these like moments of glory and recognition and this sort of fame, you know, and success, worldly success. And I think what you give up, or the main difference, maybe, is in motherhood, is that it is everything that we've been talking about as is care work, as is maintenance work, where. It's invisible, you know, it's underappreciated. It disappears at the end of each day. You just keep fucking doing it, you know. Um, I love that later, or Kaylee's quote, that's like, it takes all the fucking time. And it does, it's like, what else are you going to do? But I think maybe to, I, I'm, I'm formulating this as I'm saying it, but maybe if we can let our art practice be a little bit more like our What if there's no payoff? I guess that's what I'm always saying in in art is like, what if there is no payoff? And look at these people who die in obscurity. And then years later, like they're fucking famous and their paintings are selling for millions of dollars. Like Alice Neal, you know, lived her whole life, just barely getting by. And then huge, you know, posthumous success. And I think it's just like, well, actually, maybe it's always about process in motherhood. There is no fucking payoff in any of it. Unless it's the <laughs> magic of the day to day. And like, yeah. that's what your mom was doing. She was making these magical bursts that kind of, I don't know, not to get too like woo woo and meditation, but they bring you back to the moment. They remind you you're yeah. alive. They anchor you in your, in your world, in your day.
0: Well, and I think my mom was really afraid of like losing herself in motherhood, which mm-hmm. I mean, I, think every woman, every woman who has a child is afraid of, and it's a very valid fear. And I think art was what anchored her to herself, you know? So however she could access that, like she was down to let that change. Like she didn't literally have to be making art, but like she still had friends who were artists. She still prioritized seeing art, m- teaching us about art. Like she still kept it alive in her life. And I, th- I think that's a big thing as well. And like, I really hugely believe in process. And I think like, I feel lucky that a lot of my life has, has taught me about that. And a lot of what I pursued just naturally baked that in for me. Like whether it was like being at Parsons or like in TV, it's like if you work in TV, just to see your name at the in, in the credits, like you're going to be the most disappointed, unhappy person in life. You know, like... And it used to be interesting to friends or even my own mom when I'd be like, yeah, and she'd be like, it's show day. And I'd be like, I cannot wait to go home and I'm going <laughs> to order pizza and I'm going to sleep for 14 hours, you know? And she'd be like, yeah. well, don't you want to go or aren't you excited? Or aren't you going to the party? And I was like, I don't, it is dead to me. You know, like it has happened. I'm moving on already. Like that, if you were in it for the big show or you were in it for the credit, like you were just going to always be disappointed. And, I really felt this reckoning when I when I hit 40, that I was like, I'm tired of chasing success. I'm tired of chasing like my ship coming in, whatever that and, and I and I was like, and what does that even mean to me anymore? Is that money? Is that validation? Is that some sort of like societal prize that, you know, I feel like I don't know. I'd hit 40 and I was like, I've really been on this path of like trying to succeed or do these things or whatever. Some things have worked out. (laughs) A lot has not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) where am I at now? And I agree. I was like, it's always about process. It's always about do it because you want to do it. Do it because it makes you feel peace. Like do it because once you get it out of you, you feel better. You know, like it's always been about that. And if you make it about like, you know, success or other people think it's cool or you can make a lot of money or whatever. It's just like, oh no, you're sunk before you even begun, you know? But like, I hate to keep blaming. It's like I I either blame capitalism or the patriarchy for like everything at this point. And I feel like I'm becoming a cliche, but like, (laughs) you know, it's just really hard that like, It was helpful for me when I read Lewis Hyde's The Gift, you know, that is about gift-giving economy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've read it.
1: and I've started it so many times because so many people love it. And I can never get past like the first 26 pages. But again, now I'm going to try again.
0: Yes. I think it is good to read almost, sort of like women who uh, run with wolves, it's good to almost read a chapter at a time to be like, oh, I needed that in a way. What helped me is he sifts through a lot and he talks about the difference between like Work and labor, mm-hmm. I think, and like right. all these different things. And that was so helpful for me to both decide how did I need to structure my life and time and my energy, and then also how to manage my expectations of what those things netted, you know, right. of like something I hear often is that people will really put their personal feelings in when they value their work, you know, like they'll do a painting, they'll be in someone will want to buy it and they'll be like, it's $20,000. And people are like, what? You know, and they're like, <laughs> right. And they're like, well, that's what it's worth to sell to me. And it's like, okay, okay. I mean, I guess there's no arguing with that. But like, what do you care about more? Actually making a sell or selling it for the price you want to and like all those sort of things. But... If you only think about things in terms of success or like the pursuit of excellence, Mm -hmm. it becomes, I think, so much more confining and limiting than we think. I think it has this illusion of providing focus of like, oh, that's going to help me be really Mm -hmm. committed and it's going to help me like really block out external noise. And it's like... No, I think it puts you on a different fast track that probably isn't going to do what you want it to do. It's not going to make you a better artist, that's for sure, you know? It's weird, though, because I've thought about this in terms
1: of, yes, like equating success with dollar amounts because that definitely doesn't work, right? Surely we make beautiful things that not only don't sell for $20,000, but maybe like don't sell at all. The, The novel that's sitting in someone's drawer or but on the other hand, Lost Art has been such a weird experiment for me because, and, and I'm being so transparent and I'm, I'm like feeling a prickle of discomfort. So it's probably good that we're talking about this, but I made it a paid newsletter. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, $5 a month. And it was so hard to do that. I literally spent two years wringing my hands and asking for pep talks from people to like, can I charge 5 dollars for this and now there are so many months when I would not have done it but the fact that people have paid five dollars makes me accountable and so I do it yeah and and so that's sort of like this it's negative in a way like I hate that money is the motivating thing but it also has become this this binding contract between me and the reader where it's like well you've paid and now I want to deliver and I never, it never ends up being just for money because of course the magic of art making takes over and I'm like yeah. falling in love with some new subject and, and it's wonderful. But it has been strange to wrestle with that about the discomfort of asking the people who you know and love as well as strangers to pay to read your work has been difficult for me. It's been a difficult road. And then also how it has worked
0: in a positive way to keep me going. Yeah, it is really, that's like crazy to hear. I think something I hear a lot about is people questioning the value of their work, but being like, you know, well, I'm not a writer or whatever. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm like, you literally are, you know, you're published, like all these things that I'm like shocked that you would be. Questioning whether or not your you know your work is worth five dollars a month, but it's it's we all do it. We all grapple with
1: free. You know, it's like people have this expectation of things being free. And someone who's really helped me with my thinking on this is Beth Pickens, who I Mm. like just love and praise so much. But she helped me think about you know if people want your work for free you can go to the library and get your book. And you've written plenty of things that exist online yeah. that aren't behind a paywall. And your your work is absolutely available for free. And then there's work that people pay for if they want to subscribe to your newsletter, or they want to buy your book. And then she said, the thing that should always be the most premium thing is like one-on-one exchange of time with people and she was like your most expensive thing should always be like an hour with me you know and yeah. she works one-on-one with people so that's how she thinks about it but that was just really helpful to think about different lanes kind of
0: yeah I agree like I different points of accessibility I think is really it is really helpful and really liberating, you know, yeah. like that's part of why I like doing the pod is like I can't not everybody can afford a reading with me. Not everybody wants a reading with me, I think, because I really believe in being helpful and resourceful and things like that. But it gets tough, like you're one person, you know. Yeah that I like doing the pod to just sort of be like, you want to know my thoughts on things? Like, here you go. (laughs) You know, there might be an episode for it. You want to hang out with me, but you live somewhere else. Here you go. You can spend some time with me in your ears. You know, I do think that that is helpful. And I think it can be helpful to think of the structure of like, what is the most precious commodity in a way like and I think this is a personal thing like for some people it's like literally time some people it's access you know like Mm -hmm. there are subtle things I think in all of this and I think it helps me sometimes to remember like someone paying five dollars for this like enables me to do all of that the interconnectivity of it all really helps me because I'm glad that I don't hear it so much anymore. But when I was going to school in the 90s, there was like this terrible joke about like, oh yeah, I have a liberal arts degree. Would you like fries with that? Like there was like all these things that you were just never going to be able to make a living. And just like, I'm glad that the youth is destroying binaries for us because it's like, just like, can a woman be an artist and a mother? It's like, yeah, she's just going to have to figure that out and see what that looks like for her. I feel like this idea of like, can you be an artist and make money is similar? And it's like, is it easy? Is it clear? Is there a clear path? Like, no. I think part of the reason why a lot of people don't make money is like they're also not willing to like be creative within their business of like, right. what do I really enjoy? Like, what do, what am I able to really like freely give of myself? You know, like I famously announced on the pod that I was retiring from tarot and then forgot that I needed income, which. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oversight on my part. Whoopsies. And then it was funny too. Like once I gave myself permission to quit, I, my like energy came back for it and I was like, yeah. well, isn't this just like typical, you know, but I'm moving myself into more like creative consulting. Cause I'm like part of what I love about tarot and part of the readings I love in tarot is like when people are like, I have this idea or I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this thing. And essentially their whole reading is about like, yes, you should do it. And here's how kind of, right. you know, and I'm like, oh, I could do that too, like without cards and stuff like that. Cause it's, but it's, you do have to really sit with things and you do have to really ask yourself and you, you know, and, and you also have to block out like very well intentioned, well-meaning, you know, friends and people who are like, you know, friends all the time are like, why don't you get on TikTok? Like the politics. And I'm like, cause I would rather die because I am 43. And like, I just, <laughs> I don't own a ring light and I have no plans to purchase one, you know? <laughs> and, and like the people that works for bless them. I, it, it's yeah. like, I'm not shitting on anything. I'm more, I'm just like, it, I think a lot of people resist that inner work of going kind of like, and, and they're like afraid of it in a way. And it's like, it's fine. Like not everything is for everyone. Like not everything, yes. you know. It's like you have to waste a lot of time. You have to like put yourself out there. Much like if it's it's parenting. You know, <laughs> my mom and I were talking about that in terms of like things that you just have to pour a lot into before you have any idea of what the return is. And we were talking yeah. about in terms of art. she was like, I like when you are you can tell like your your parents sort of like getting warmed up, you know, and she's like, you know, something else is like that. Children! You put a <laughs> lot of time and energy in before you have any idea what your return's going to be. And I was like, oh, were you, were you worried about, you know, Bar- Barrett and I for some time? She's like, I was a little worried about you both for a while, you know, and stuff. It was very funny, yeah. but it's like, so often I think people use capitalism to really just mask a fear of vulnerability. And it's just like, you're going to have to make a lot of bad art. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff you don't like. You're going to have to like have a lot of tough conversations with yourself. You may not want to have, but like, it doesn't mean the path isn't there. It doesn't mean the answers aren't there. Like it's just maybe not going to be presented to you or like super clear. Like you might have to make it up, you know, but I think that that's really, um, daunting you know and i don't think we have a lot of examples of it out in the world
1: it's so true and i i love the explosion of resources around this i kind of think of it as art business school in a way and i think that i forget that i have without meaning to sent myself to art business school because Mm -hmm. without meaning to i had to start a business you know what i mean like probably somewhat like you um but like i love andrew simonitz thinking about this? Do you know his books? Yeah, um, making a living as an artist. And I love the off the grid podcast. I love Marley Grace. Like just these people who kind of help you think about the ways to structure just like the nuts and bolts of, of your life and and your life's work and how they can work together and maybe not be so yeah.
0: adversarial. But I know what you mean. It's like we can get so in our heads about stuff, or like, is that bad or whatever? And I think that, like, I asked you about encouragement. I think also like permission is really important. And these people who give you permission to be like, you're allowed to do whatever you want. Like, you can structure this however you want. And I think it can be helpful to think of like, here's sort of like, I define it as like, what is the playground I'm playing within? You know, like, what are the th- three things I'm maybe in service of right now? And then, like, what do I mm-hmm. want to do with that or whatever? To, you know, to give myself something to work off of. I had told you before we started recording that I would check in and, and prompt you. And then we totally blew past that. But I know I was
1: having so much fun talking
0: to you. <laughs> I know. Likewise. I, I mean, this is all, truly, I mean, I literally texted this to friends. I was like, little does Sarah know that this is all a ruse to try to make her my new best friend. Uh, <laughs> I was like, lure her onto the pod because I just, um, I hope everybody immediately goes and subscribes to Lost Art if they don't already, because I just, I love how your brain works. I love what you're looking at. I love the questions you're asking, but, um, I love the way your brain works. Too. I think that's why yeah. this has been so fun and so much longer than we meant it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsies! But is there anything we didn't get to touch on today? You wanted to to mention or to, or discuss, and what are you working on right now? Because I I know you have a novel in the works, and yeah. how's that going?
1: Yeah, it's not well. Um, <laughs> you know, one of one of the things that I have loved about this conversation is that I think we've been able to talk about the theoretical as well as the nuts and bolts and I feel like that's what I'm always trying to move between is like okay yes to stay in touch with like the magic of making art but also how do I do that when I've just dropped my kid off from school and forgot his lunch and then I have to go back and then I come back and I'm in a bad mood (laughs) and it's like this is not the time to enter an imaginative space where you know I make everything out of the ether so it's it's hard. So I think, you know, this kind of goes back to a question you asked earlier, lost art really came out of the fact that I was struggling to work on long form projects within Mm -hmm. the interruptions and the kind of fractured time that my life took on after I had a kid and having a kid during a pandemic. And so lost art became this thing that could fit you know, I could work mm-hmm. on it for an hour. I could do a quick Google search about somebody. I could find an article. And, and so I, I feel like permission, encouragement, funny, like, these are all mom qualities. You know, these are things that we want from our moms. And I think it sounds like it's also the qualities we're giving to other people when we work with them. Like, yes, you're good enough. Yes, keep going. Um, yes, here's how it might work. Yes, I'm watching you. You know, you're not alone. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. here if you need me. And also, you know, I was trying to craft some like at like, some copy for a postcard the other day, and I was like, "God damn it, I want to hire myself." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, can I hire me? But I think the message to myself in that is like giving myself the permission and giving myself the grace and giving myself the encouragement that, hey, like. If I don't have 10 hours a week to work on a novel right now, it's okay. My brain isn't going anywhere. Yeah. The book's not going anywhere. My son won't be three and a half forever. Yes, there's seasons, right? But it's a long game and there are seasons. So I think that's just something I'm thinking about at the end of this conversation that I wanted to say is that this question of how do we keep going, I think I want to feel better more of the time about what I'm doing and not feel shitty almost all of the time about what I'm not doing. Because Mm -hmm. what you're doing when you do maintenance work and what you're doing when you're making art is really energetically a lot. You know, I don't want to say draining because it it often is fulfilling and, and regenerating, but it's a lot.
0: And it's I think potent, that- you know, and I struggle with like the monotony and mundaneness of life, you yeah, know, that it's like when you felt the high of when something has just like moved through you, you know, and you've like yeah. written an essay and, and, you know, in an hour and you're like, that j- it just float. you know, it's like, yeah. you don't want to go do dishes. You're, you're, that never you're,
1: happens to me, by the way. The our <laughs> essay that you're like,
0: that was easy. <laughs> yeah. That's only happened to me like twice. And I'm like, I, I'm truly like f- chasing it like a fix. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and right. then that becomes the thing where it's like, oh, I should only be writing about it if I feel like that. And I'm like, okay, you've gone another direction. You know, like you've gone crazy in a different way. But it, it helps me during the pandemic. I had a really hard time reading. I just like mm-hmm. could not read, you know, and it was so frustrating because initially going into it, I was like, I'm going to read so many books. I'm going to read the shit out of books, you know? And, and then I couldn't read anything. And it was such a good reminder and lesson of like, until I'm dead, all of these things are available and they may not be available the second I want them to be, which is annoying. And that is fair, but it doesn't mean that they're like, you know, off the table and dead to me forever, you know? And it's, I've, found that it's important sometimes to validate, like, this isn't what I want to be doing right now, mm-hmm. but it's okay. I will get to go back to what I want to do. You know, like, I don't want to be, you know, like, um, I'm dealing with a bunch of apartment stuff. It's like, I would much rather be planning, than, you know, the, the next season of How to Be Human, but it's just like, that's not where mm-hmm. life is calling me. But I think a lot of people lose their creative selves to that frustration and being unable to say like, it'll, you'll come back. It'll, you'll, You'll get to touch it again, like at some point, you know, and if you'll keep just doing something, whether it is finding the magic in your day to day or where you are in your life or, you know, moving to a different form or whatever, it's like that will feel better, you know, than just trying to like acquiesce and be like, okay, fine, you won motherhood or whatever, you know, like whatever it is that we imagine is this foe, you know, it's like, I think it's helpful if you see like it. it, it, it it's like you, we can have all the things, we just can't necessarily have it the way we want it, you know. Yeah. And that's a little bit different, but it's it's tough. Um, where can people find you on these internet streets? You can find me on Substack. I believe the address is sarahmccall.substack.com. I believe um, it is. Yeah, and I, everything will be linked in the show notes and all that good stuff as well. Yeah.
1: And then my website is thermalcall.com. I recently learned you could put like
0: anything at the end. XYZ. Oh. Um, oh yeah. You can't well ah. you, when you yeah, when you purchase your domain. It's funny though, yeah. there was one that I was like wanted to get just to be dumb. And it was like, are you this or th- I think I wanted a dot org and it was like, you can't have that unless you're like this or that. And I was like, Oh, that'll be something that'll haunt me. Where I'll be like, "Oh, I did it as a joke," you know. And they're like, "You're not a government agency," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, you can customize any. That's cool. I'm bad on Instagram. Like,
1: <laughs> we didn't even talk about the difference between feeling overexposed on social media versus the idea of feeling overexposed on social media versus the idea of feeling overexposed in art which to me are completely different experiences completely
0: different and i yeah. wish that more people would expose themselves more in their art and less in their social yeah. i don't give a fuck <laughs> about the minutia of your life i'm i don't even want to deal with the minutia of my life like right. I don't need to see how you wash your face in the morning. I yeah. need to know how the fuck you go on. <laughs> like <laughs> Right, right.
1: And yet the idea of posting something about washing my face is something I would never do, but I might write something about washing
0: it, my face. I could totally do that, you know? Yeah.
1: So, just different strokes
0: for different folks, I guess. Yeah, but. sometimes I'm like, oh, it's about the medium. <laughs> and then I'm like, no. <laughs> We've gone somewhere else in this world and I don't know where it is, you know, but I am so appreciative to you for joining me today and thank you being so good. I'm so glad that, and thank you for being so gracious uh, with your time and yeah, and your knowledge. I feel like you, so generous like letting me just like root around. I was like, I didn't even like send her questions in advance. I was just more like, um, I'm kind of obsessed with you and I want to ask you about it. And Sarah was like, yeah, all right. Sounds fun. You know? Yeah, Yeah, cool. I'm like, (laughs) wow. Like, I mean, I like laughed with Kate. I was like, do like, do I clue her in to how like obsessed I am? Or like, do I just let her find out? Um, She was like, let her find out. You know, (laughs) Kate's very even, you know, she was like, yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll come through. Don't worry. You know, I was like, true, true. Don't alarm her until after the, the record but thank you so much for joining me today. This thank was you. wonderful. And I'm going to return to lost art. I know time and time and time again, and I probably will email you like, I was going to say once a month, but that's probably, you know, like once a quarter to be like, make it a pod, please. Um Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I love sending emails that say keep going. So that's a, you know what? That's, Great. That is a good email or text. I feel like I know people that uh, I want to build that in to like text and keep going. Like, cause that's a beautiful sentiment. So thank you. What a perfect way to, to end. Everybody keep going. That is all for today. And I will talk to you next week. I'm not going to tell everyone I'll see you next week for a change. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to AnnaTonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at AnnaTonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help.